Welcome to the IoT podcast show. And today I am actually not your host. So I am delighted to say this is the second in our series of the IoT podcast guest host takeover. And boy, this is going to be a really big one. And we're delighted to have two previous guests on the show. Uh, firstly, we have Rami Avadan, who was one of our early guest features on the IoT podcast, ex-CEO of Deutsche Telekom. Rami, thank you for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Always a pleasure being here, Tom. And also we have Hima Mukamala, uh, CEO of Pelion, who was a guest just a few weeks ago. Thank you very much for joining also, Hima. Thanks for having me. I guess uh, you got tired of both of us. You said you guys <laughs> have the conversation. <laughs> well, there was so you guys spoke so much and uh, you had so much good content to say, right? We knew we had to do something extra and, uh, and get me out of the frame. So without further ado, uh, enjoy the session. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, so, uh, welcome everybody to uh, the IT podcast uh, guest host takeover. And um, as Tom just mentioned, my name is Rami Avidan. I'm the former CEO of Wireless, where I also founded, co-founded the business. I'm also the former CEO of uh, Tele2 IoT, part of the Tele2 Group. Um, and uh, most recently, I was also the CEO of Deutsche Telekom IoT. Uh, and uh, I'm super excited, Hima, to, to have you uh, on, on this chat today. Uh, please introduce yourself. And me too, Rami. It's been, you know, you and I have had offline conversations and our interests match a lot and we have had a long history. So my job, uh, I'm the CEO of Pillion. It's been in, an interesting journey, you know, in the current context with what started as an incubation with an arm and then created as a new business unit. I ran that business unit as a GM and over the last six months, it's been carved off as a subsidy, wholly owned subsidiary of arm. You know, outside of that, I am an ultra trail runner. I run 200 mile races and I recently did Everesting and that's a conversation for a different time. Uh, indeed, indeed. Well, actually, you have told me some some stuff about it. Very impressive, right? I, I'm talking about you running now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, that is really, really awesome. Um, so look, um, one of the things I think our uh, audience is keen to understand, Hima, and we'll start with you and I can answer it afterwards. You know, obviously, now you're the CEO of Pillion. And, and so well, why don't you share some history of uh, how you got into IoT and more importantly, why you got into this space, right? Yeah, <clears throat> it, it is an interesting question. If I look back at, you know, uh, 15 years back, I've always tried to stay ahead of the technology trends. And this was 2006 when people weren't aware of mobile and the concept of mobile first were not there. In my old company, Sybase, we were building a mobile platform to bring mobility as a first class citizen. So we went through that, we got acquired by SAP. And then I was looking at what's the next trend in this space, uh, in, in the technology space. And I could see that all these air-gapped assets coming, like the jet engines, gas turbines, were gonna be connected so that much more valuable outcomes could be generated. And so that's why I joined GE Digital to build that first digital IoT platform. That was my first interaction with IoT, you know, dealing with this connector, uh, you know, sensors in these big assets. And it was interesting to go from small phones <laughs> to these big assets, 
you know, on a big scale. So that was how I got into IoT. I'm sure this was there. I'm, you know, I would be interested in your experiences because, you know, we called it IoT, but these assets and connected sensors were there for the last 50, 60, 70 years, right? No, exactly right. I mean, we put uh, a sexy name on it now, right? <laughs> yeah. That that more comes from, uh, you know, maybe startups and, and other players in the industry the wanting to sort of yeah. hot it up a little bit, right? But, you know, I was in this game from, uh, you know, the, the very early 2000, right? Um, so I've been now in it for more than 20 years, believe it or not, right? Um, and, and obviously it's changed a lot over the years. I mean, the reason why I got in it was, you know, I was an entrepreneur. And um, honestly, we had, a, we had a small business in the telco space. We uh, got in contact with some of the operators who had just launched some of the earlier data networks uh, in the 2G infrastructure. And basically they asked us to help them fill it with data from machines. And that's basically how I stumbled into it. But, but of course, the interesting thing is something's happened in life by coincidence. But actually, for me, that turned out to be a, a very lucky strike because I love this industry. I love it because the impact that I've seen that it can have on businesses that have deployed it. Um, I love it because it's not only uh, sort of driving financial value for customers, uh, it can also have a great positive impact right reducing yes. emissions improving on the way that we use our resources making sure that you know we we send uh, resources like food to places in the world where where they where they you know not, don't necessarily have enough so i think there are so many positives with this technology um that that i've seen happen which also then of course makes it a privilege to be part of this industry right which That's leads me to my which leads me to my second question, actually, uh, Hima, because look, as you and I know, there are a lot of values being able to uh, being extracted once you have deployed IoT technologies, right? But of course, we also know that it's not an easy thing to do, right? Uh, there are many, many barriers for enterprises when they look to digitize their businesses. So, what, what would you say? Number one are the biggest barriers for these enterprises. And what would you say are the simple, or maybe not simple, but the clear points that you would like them to focus on to solve some of those barriers? Absolutely. And, and like you've said, you know, whatever you might call it, right, digital transformation, you know, just pure IoT or data uh, challenges, it's become a kitchen sink. But what I've realized, <clears throat> excuse me, over the last, like you've said, 10 years or so, You've got to take a more holistic approach to it because it's not a pure technology problem. It's not a pure people problem. It's not a culture problem. It's not a process problem. It's actually a combination of all of these. Right? You can't just wake up and say, I'm going to digitize everything. you got to think about how do you change uh, the culture to become more agile because you're solving problems more iteratively. Right? That's how software works. That's how uh, algorithms work. That's how AI works. you got to think about who do you have as, as uh, people who are building these solutions and uh, do they have the right uh, learning and the technology knowledge to build that? You got to think about the processes in place to make sure that you are able to do this transformation. And then finally, you know, you and I touched on this previously, it has become such a technology centric conversation I've seen this like a customer of ours, you know, Johnson Controls, we just recently talked about it. 
they talk about how do smart buildings and so we are enabling their uh, smart buildings initiative and so they talk about what does it do for their customers right like you've said better air quality you know better uh, facility management and so talk thinking about what do these outcomes mean is the biggest barrier to uh, what i'm seeing as adopting trans or transforming their businesses versus purely talking about what technologies to use and so on. You can't just do IoT, right? You got to think about how do you connect your physical assets to the digital world, collect the data. So it's a holistic view of the business optimization, but people, processes, culture. I was surprised how big culture was part of digital transformation. Look, uh, first of all, Hima, there is nothing that you've said that I don't 101% agree with. I think you're absolutely right. And I think um, what what my 20 years have, have shown me is that the customers, the users that have been the most successful have been able to do three things. The first and foremost uh, important thing is to, uh, to ensure that the owners of the business, may that be a public business or may that be a privately understand that a digital transformation is a fundamental shift of that business. It's yeah. going to change the way the revenue flows. It's going to change the way that we structure our organization. It's going to change the way that we capitalize our balance sheet. It's going to change the way that we that we de develop and deliver our solutions. It's going to change who we interact with in, in the market. So that, that's the number one thing I've seen, right? You need the backing of your current owners on that transformation because it's going to be painful right yeah We're typically going to go from very large streams to incremental smaller revenue stream but that are recurring right and of yeah. course from a valuation perspective that's much more interesting from a long-term perspective but you have to go through the valley of death so yes. that's number one number two to be able to engage in these digital transformations the companies that are successful have gotten every single leader in that organization on board fully subscribed to this change because it's a fundamental change of the business. And, you know, as soon as you've got, especially in these larger organizations, if you take Johnson's controls that you just mentioned, right? I mean, these are not small businesses, right? You've got layers upon layers upon layers of management. And of course, unless you can get those various layers to actually buy in fully to this blocks throughout your entire organization. So getting management fully fired up behind yeah. this to drive the change is super important. And the third thing is, look, the companies that look upon the transformation as a cost rather than an investment to become a more sustainable, growth-oriented, stable business long-term, they're going to fail. Why? Because when you look at it as a cost, you're going to immediately measure ROI. You're going to yeah, immediately exactly. measure what is the value that this is generating. Now, the transformation takes time. The one thing I can guarantee, the businesses that I've seen that have struggled to overcome this dimension, they've all failed. And many of them are out of business or actually get going out of business because it is you as a corporate leader investing into your business to stay competitive basically right and so that change has to be looked upon as an investment rather than as a cost so uh, um i think we're very much uh, aligned about that but let's talk positive now hima right because 
you and I are almost IoT natives, right? Um, and and you know we love this industry. And I think for all, for some of our listeners, I think it would be great for you to share some of the opportunities that you see are created when we finally have taken out one of the large barriers, which is the complexity, right? Because it is a complex industry that we play in. But yeah. why don't we focus in first on the opportunities and the values that you see are generated? Absolutely. And to your point, <clears throat> the adoption has to start always from the top and being tied to this you know, uh, challenge of how do you optimize your customers' business problems and so on. I mean, there are a lot of challenges, but like you have said, once you've solved the challenge of heterogeneity, uh, security, and all the standard constraints that are preventing people, there's an incredible data pipe, right, that's going from these 60-year-old, 40-year-old assets without any modification, because the life cycle of these assets is pretty long, especially the industrial assets. So you have this really strong data pipe that's going from the physical assets to the cloud or wherever it's running so that you're able to do, and just continuing with the smart buildings as an example, what I found out is that just a couple of uh, values that they're able to add, especially in the COVID scenario, space optimization. You know, making sure that employees and people are separated with the right distance, they're able to do that better because they have sensors instrumented in the whole building and they're now able to identify where people are sitting and making sure they're following the guidance, right? That's just one very real-time outcome that uh, they've been able to drive through the investment they're making in their digital transformation. Second, you've touched on this, energy reduction. As we look at this day and the future, we got to reduce our energy uh, usage. And so they're able to identify which parts of the buildings are being used, which are being less used, and in real time, being able to uh, control the usage uh, and the heating and the cooling of the building. And, and also commercially, they're able to give more services to the customers to increase the revenue opportunities, right? They're able to offer to their building operator services so that they can enhance the services for end customers who are you know, renting, uh, leasing their building spaces. So there's just one area, one vertical where we are seeing these opportunities come across. And, and something that you said resonated really well with me. It's about the health of the people in the building. It's about the quality of life of the people in the building. And this is relevant, you know, applicable in even the other verticals that we are seeing, right? We, you know, we work with smart metering companies. It's the same story. The fact that you have a better connected meter, now we are able to, as a provider of electricity, gas, and so on, give a better financial outcome a consumer like me sitting at a home trying to wonder why my heating bill has gone up by 200 percent they're able to get that data better and better now yeah. and and so yeah we're hitting 95 degrees soon and the air conditioner is already on big time yeah. no exactly i mean look i think uh i mean that's all very true Hima, right i think um you know, um, there are, of course, endless opportunities. I think if I wanted to highlight one opportunity, right, it's for the businesses that engage in these transformation. I mean, the opportunity is for you to be able to outcompete your uh, competitors in the market, right? Because at the end of the day, if I just take the, the use case that you mentioned, Hima, right, being able to externalize more capabilities and services to your customers 
obviously the output of that is that you gain more revenue share, right? Uh, yeah, but the other output, of course, is the, the company that can do the better, smarter, nicer, faster, right? Um, will be able to outcompete their competitors and take a larger market share and, and cement themselves in the industry that they find themselves in, right? So I think that's obviously the overarching uh, opportunity combined with cost reduction and all of these other things. But I think our audience are, are well aware of that. But 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 staying on on um, uh, opportunities, right? There are obviously the flip side to that, which is complexity, right? Um, and threats. Um, and so and so let's. So, so what, are, what, are, what is that complexity in your mind, uh, Hima? Uh, there are a couple of main complexities that we see as we have been working with the customers. You know, and it happens in every technology trend, right? If you've, we, we've been long enough in this space, every trend comes with the complexity of the heterogeneity, which gets normalized through standardization, which gets normalized through um, standard software tools and so on, right? So that is one big complexity which we see. You know, the sensor world is huge and you add gateways, you add protocols, you know, you add connectivity. So the permutations of connectivity, devices, network, cloud is huge, right? And so how do you take a, a, a combination of these and then add to that the complexity of uh, the old assets, right? Because you you're not going to rip and replace the old assets, in, especially the industrial ones sitting out there. So that is a big, big uh, challenge that I've seen, and and we have come a long way in solving that. The second one that I see as a uh, as a challenge is, and, and may, we should talk more about it, security. If you talk to any CIO, CEO, the biggest thing on their mind is, by doing this, how am I making more uh, risky, the regular business, because they would rather leave the assets disconnected than connect them and bring more risk on themselves, right? Uh, it's a question of value versus outcomes and Absolutely. the risk. And the last one is customers have made their choices, right, on enterprise platforms. So how do you take your solution and make it run on customers' choices of cloud or networks or whatnot? And so it's not only your solution complexity, but it's the customer's environment complexity. And then you merge these two, it just, you know, problem becomes, you know, uh, to the power of N. And so these are the sort of the main challenges I see, like in, a, in addition to, like you've said, right, how do you make sure it's the right outcomes and so on. But we're taking the right steps. I'm really optimistic. As we talked before, what I've seen in the last year and a half in terms of real transformative initiatives versus technology initiatives is giving me a lot of confidence in IoT. Yeah, we have presented all of the you know uh, nice uh, optimistic pictures of the last five years, but the but the real utilization is what we're seeing now. Yeah, no, no, I fundamentally agree with that, right? So we basically have standardization, we have interoperability. Uh, as big cornerstones, but, but there is one other area that I think is interesting, right, to also talk about that is a complex world for many of these enterprises. Um, one of the interesting parts is obviously the local regulations in various markets, because so far today, not even in a homogeneous market such as Europe, we are having the same regulations in these various smaller states, if you may. Yeah. Uh, and if you magnify that uh, throughout the globe, of course, it becomes a rather complex regulatory landscape for 
for these global players to navigate, right? Because these assets have to uh, behave differently from a data delivery perspective, actually what they're allowed to do, not allowed to do in the markets, how they're allowed to access them, you know? So there is a whole complexity, which is more of the on the political side of things, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also a, a concept that we need to talk about. But I wanna bounce back to one of the topics that you mentioned, security. Because of course, uh, I would argue that I'm one of the culprits that, that actually didn't take charge of security in the early days, right? Security, having been a founder um, of an IT, not IoT, an IT security business back in the days that did encryption, um, uh, shame on me, right? But, but uh, it's, it's an area that historically has been neglected, right? But honestly, how big do you today consider the, the, the sort of the lack of, or I shouldn't say the lack of, but what is, how big is the security risk of today? Let's put it like that instead. Uh, just before we get into that, I mean, you know, talking about regulation, talking about different laws, I feel like lawyers are the new software engineers. <laughs> the number of and the number of time I've spent with lawyers, the legal aspects of it has been incredibly. It's good. It's what we need to do because sometimes pure uh, technical solutions are not going to solve it. But sure. joking aside, um, you know, if you look at the recent, you know, just last week, right, the Colonial Pipeline breach in U.S. Right, that has caused major challenges for oil uh, supplies to the to, to consumers. If you go back all the way, something like Stuxnet, right, which sort of created a lot of challenges. This is the biggest problem that I see, especially because infrastructure. This critical infrastructure deals with health, it could cause actually fatalities. And, and so these breaches of these critical infrastructure are, are, are a big worry for me, because if you think about this, the risk that as a CEO you're taking by connecting their assets and making them open and uh, out of the air gap world is the biggest risk that I think, you know, uh, what I'm seeing in the market. But, um, you know, what I see is, uh, I don't know, just two weeks back, UK government came back with the legislation. I was really encouraged to see that. They ma mandated three things. You know, uh, what they've talked about is, no default passwords. You got to make updating the devices a key part of the solution and implement a vulnerability disclosure policy. I mean, that is a huge step for me because now it's forcing every solution provider to ensure that whatever you deploy for your customer employs these as part of your uh, solution, right? And, and so there is, a, and, there, and, and, and optionally they have 10 other things like, um, you know, making security a first class element and so on. But fundamentally, this is a big part of what I think as what providers like us, deployers like our customers need to keep in mind. Uh, capabilities come and go and it will change, but security has to be the fundamental aspect. Yeah, no, actually, uh, you know, um, I, I fundamentally agree with you, right? I think uh, we have to take... Uh, the security threats seriously and we have to make the relevant uh, adaptations to to our industry when it comes to technology but also the way that we we think about and act around security and i think the only way we can do that is if we all come together and work together as an industry to work yeah, towards yeah. uh interoperable solutions uh less proprietary technologies uh that are uh 
where it makes it easier for us to actually interlink them together. I think that's a, a very great uh, and good start, right? And then, of course, as you mentioned, right, we need these guidelines from the government to help us push that through. Uh, but, but we can, of course, do a lot. So, so I, I fundamentally agree with that. But just okay. one thing, yeah. one, just one thing I want to add, if I interrupt, right? We went from, you know, standard desktop applications to call mobile first applications. I'm hoping we can come to a world of security first. Right. That's my hope. And that's what's what I believe is going to make everyone think about It's always, you know, you we've built these solutions where at the end someone comes in and says, let's do a security check of the uh, you know, uh, solution. Right. But if you think of security first as the paradigm, I am confident that we can solve the problem. Yeah. I think that's a very good way of looking at it. So I hope our listeners will take that with them and help us drive that notion. I will yeah, for sure yeah. um, be be holding that flag up for you, Hima. So yeah. look, listen, let's let's switch um, track a little bit, right? Because both of both of us, pretty, uh, I shouldn't say that we're experts, but we we pretty much know a lot about the mobile network operators around the world and the and the, uh, and the IoT industry that they look at, right? But I mean, we obviously know where they come from and what they've done and their position. But but what do you think are their future potential role or roles for both the small but also the larger telcos of the of this world, right? What, where do you feel that they should be positioning themselves, or where do you think they will position themselves? Yeah, uh, um, you know, it's funny. The world's changing so fast for us to consider experts in any field. It's like you know, uh, I, my daughter probably knows a lot more about some of the things than I do. Um, one of the biggest trends I see, and it's probably good to uh, it'll, it's good to have your thoughts on this. Is you know, I, you know, I was able to update my phone, consumer phone, to a different network with multiple uh, prof profiles very seamlessly without taking out a SIM card and adding a new profile. This whole notion of EUICC. Um, and the biggest trend I see in the device space is the iSIM, right? The putting connectivity into the silicon, into the SOC, and that way you bring the bomb size down. And so it puts the MVNOs and the MNOs in a very interesting position, mm -hmm. looking beyond purely connectivity, because now everything, the application processor, the connectivity processor, the AI processor is all on the same SOC, right? That's where the converged trend is happening on the device. So I look at the MVNOs and um, the telcos providing a lot more than connectivity, managing the lifecycle of the whole SOC, right? The applications, the AI, the algorithms that run on it. And so you, I've seen analysts sort of expand the scope of what is an MVNO to include these services beyond pure connectivity. That's the trend I see where there is a convergence happening across connectivity, across lifecycle management. The second big trend I see is as more of these devices are getting connected, the MVNOs and the MNOs have a big uh, role to play in data analytics and, and, and especially security analytics and then uh, optimization analytics because they're seeing a lot of data volume go through, playing that role, being able to be the first interceptor of data, obviously with uh, their customers' permissions, and being able to use, apply them, and as this, and, and it becomes a faster way to outcomes, right? Because you're not pushing all the data into the cloud. You are being able to interpret the data in the edges of the network. 
and then being able to send the uh, um, guidances to the assets much quicker. So if I would say these are the two big trends I'm seeing, convergence and a bigger role in the analytical space, especially because of edge computing. So I don't disagree with that, Hima, having now been sort of running two large um, IoT uh, units within telcos, right? I don't disagree with that. But there is a complexity for the operator, right? And the complexity is the following. The IoT business is typically a fraction of their overarching business that they run as a telco. Their sales channels are typically not geared towards complex solution sales, uh, which is very much where IoT resides, right? Very much more yeah. of a consultative sales approach, right? Very yeah, similar absolutely. to the way system integrators uh, 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 would would uh, sort of approach it, right? So I think they have an inherent complexity in them, which is why, for example, I believe that the, the more agile, focused MVNOs with the right type of ownership uh, structure, access to capital, will probably be the sort of service providers that will, in the long run, prevail. Yeah. Okay? Uh, but only the ones that are sort of... Uh, really gaining market share, right? I believe that the smaller MVNOs will either go out of business or they will be consumed by the larger MVNOs that are out there, right? So that's the first one. The second one that I think is interesting to uh, discuss is, you know, we have, we have these hyperscalers, right? Um, and not that I like that terminology myself, but, but it, it, you know, it's a coined uh, concept by now, right? So, yeah. you know, I think, it's only a matter of time before they basically make connectivity available as part of uh, their solutions. And they've already started. I mean, if you look at AWS, right, they have integrated a wide variety of underlying, typically MVNOs. Uh, uh, and I know Microsoft is also doing that in their marketplace. You know, so at one point in time, what I'm fearing for the operators is, of course, that they will be marginalized, right? That they will become the dumb bit pipe that they absolutely don't want to become, right? Um, and I think the only reason or the only way they will be able to navigate away from such a fate would be for them to actually think differently about their IT business and that they structure themselves differently. But I am actually personally very worried about the telco space uh, here. I think the likes of your business, Pelion, the likes of the hyperscalers and a whole host of other MVNOs and uh, especially also some system integrators that I see are doing some very interesting things. You know, unless the telco community really gets its acts together, I think, you know, they're, they're in for a ride. Let's put it like that. That's basically my, my two cents on, on the situation, right? Uh, right. I'm not too gloomy for you or for any other listener, but, you know, that's the way I'm looking at it. Uh, yeah, I mean, every opportunity, uh, every threat comes with an opportunity, right? And, and so I, I, you know, they, we went through the same sort of uh, fear and challenges when mobile was uh, mobile applications and mobility was becoming first class. And you know, uh, if I would say they missed the uh, the opportunity in that space, right? But now I think uh, I feel like, especially looking at some of our partners. They are starting to get them as uh, get that better view of how do they participate in this new ecosystem, and yeah. so that's encouraging to see. But you are absolutely right; you have to think differently to participate in this ecosystem. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, look, let's not dwell on it. I can spend hours and hours talking about it, right? <laughs> but, but let's uh, let's move on, right? So, so um, now finally, uh, Hima. Um,
obviously this is an industry that we apparently both of us really love and really care for right so where would you like to see that iet will take us in the future what what is if you if you can sort of paint your own vision of where it will take us what, what is that you know i'm a simple man and i would like to take back to what you said in the beginning if we can make a world where our basic needs right health uh food water just as an examples uh, environment if iot can make all of this better along with make better business outcomes for enterprises right either for their end customers i think that's what i want iot to become it, i want it to become invisible right i want it to become invisible so that it no one talks about it and just are dealing with the data that comes out of these connected things. I want to just share an interesting use case. So when I started running, there was a time when I was running up a mountain and I was I could not breathe and I wasn't sure my O2 levels, right? I had asthma and I couldn't find out what, what was it, right? Because then I was just sitting there. These days I have a watch with an O2 and I don't have to guess whether I'm going to not be able to breathe because of the altitude, because it gives me the data immediately. It's made my life as a runner better, right? And it's because it's instrumented with a sensor that can, you know, check my O2 levels. And so just that, that is just one example, right? We've talked about JCI, about how our, uh, you know, buildings uh, are made better, uh, air, uh, the quality of air is better. And so that's what I'm looking forward to, right? A comfortable working life and make it invisible. I want to stop talking about IoT. You know, if that makes sense. Actually, I love that, and actually, I've been saying that for a long time. I haven't used the word in "invisible," but actually, I think that's the way we end this session. Yeah. Your dream, my dream, is for IoT to become invisible in the future, and for it to be integrated in everything, making everybody's lives better. May that be privately or from a business perspective. So let's put a cap on that. Look. Uh, it's been an absolute blast, Hima. You're uh, fantastic to have on the show. And obviously, I'm fantastic to have on the show as well. You know, we've had a, a real jolly good time. Thank you for uh, letting us do this, Tom. This is uh, uh, really a good uh, setup, and I wish you all the best with it. Hima, thank you so much for taking the time. Much appreciated. Thanks, Rami. It was always a pleasure talking to you. Have a good and day. Thanks, Bye. thanks everybody. Ciao.